Welcome to the Mastery Over Money podcast. My name is Michael Kim, and I'm a wealth coach, future CPA, and creative at heart. My mission is to help young professionals such as yourself have mastery over your money and start living a life of financial freedom. Not only will I teach you how to save, invest, make, and maximize your money, but I'll also transform the way that you think about it. At the end of the day, money management is a skill. And when you have mastery over it, you can create anything. Are you ready? Awesome. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number six of the Mastery Over Money podcast. So before we begin, I have a question for all of you. Do you like playing board games? I honestly never used to play many board games, but when the COVID started and the pandemic started, I started to play a lot more board games because like, what else can you do when you're stuck inside, right? So I started playing a lot of board games like Catan, Unstable Unicorns, and Monopoly. And the thing is, I really started to love playing these board games because I think it's a great way to connect with people. As a complete introvert, meeting a new group of people always gives me a little bit of social anxiety, so getting to know people through a game is a nice way to just break the ice. Okay, well in this episode, I'll be sharing with you how all of us are playing a game. And the game that we're playing is the game of life. No, not the board game, the real thing. In this episode, you'll learn how you can navigate this game and how you can be successful in the game of life. Let's first start with one of my analogies. Let's play Catan. So for those of you that haven't played Catan before, Catan is a board game based on both strategy and luck. The main objective is to build these settlements or houses on the map and the first person who can build 10 settlements pretty much wins the game. It's a lot more complicated than this, but let's just keep it simple. Now, when I first started playing Catan in the beginning of the pandemic and quarantine, I was really bad at this game. I didn't know what I was doing, and I was really lost. I'm not the type of person that learns from reading the manual or like just watching people, I get too bored. I learn the best when I'm actually playing the game. So it took me a while to learn the rules of the game until eventually I could make my own strategies and decisions that I could use to win the game. I wouldn't say I'm the best Catan player, but I'd say I have a pretty good chance at winning as long as luck is in my favor. Now, imagine if you tried to play Catan without knowing any of the rules of the game. Let's say you don't even know that you need to build settlements in order to win, or you don't even know how to build a settlement in the first place. What do you think your chances are at winning this game? If you'd ask me, my guess is that your chances of winning is probably very low. And the reason for this is because when you don't know the rules of the game, it's extremely difficult for you to play and win the game. 
Everyone else is going to be working towards certain objectives, making partnerships, and implementing all of these fancy strategies while you're playing without any direction. This is something that I see so often in the game of life. I like to think of life as a game, where the goal of this game is to create your ideal life. My ideal life is to be a digital nomad where I can travel around the world and take care of my family. The goal of your life is the ideal life that you truly want to live and the life that will make you happy. But the thing is, I see so many people play the game of life without ever learning the rules of the game. And they go about life wondering why they're struggling. They wonder in awe and often envy how some people can buy a house in their 20s or become millionaires in their 30s. Meanwhile, they're in the exact same financial situation they were 10 years ago. And the reason why this happens is because they don't know the rules of the game yet. Playing the game of life without knowing the rules of money is like playing Catan without knowing the rules of the game. Everyone else will get ahead while you'll be left behind. So now you might be thinking, okay, I want to play the game of life by knowing the rules of money. But what are the rules of money? Well, I'm glad you asked. There are so many different rules when it comes to money. In episode number two, I broke down the five pillars to master your money, which includes how to save, invest, make, maximize, and manage your money mindset. To have mastery over these five pillars, you need to understand the money rules of these five areas. But for today, let's just focus on the fourth pillar, which is to maximize your money. One of the most important money rules is to understand how taxes work. Let me give you an example. There are three types of taxable income. And what taxable income stands for is income that is allowed to be taxed by the government. So there's three types. There's employment income, business income, and investment income. And the reason why it's so important to differentiate between these types of income is because the tax rules for these three are completely different from one another. Making $100,000 in employment income, which is income from your 9-to-5 job, is different from making $100,000 in your business or your investment income. Let's say you're making $100,000 from your 9-to-5 job. Well, in this case, pretty much 100% of your money is taxable income. So that means a full $100,000 is going to be taxed by the government. Then after you get taxed, let's say you pay $30,000 in taxes at a 30% tax rate, you still have to pay for your living expenses like your phone bill, utilities, office expenses, etc. So pretty much, at the end of the day, you're not left with much money. In contrast, 
Let's say you still make a hundred thousand dollars, except this is from your business. Unlike employment income, you can actually reduce your taxable income when it comes to your business. You can deduct things like your phone bill, utilities, office expenses, and let's say all of these deductions add up to twenty thousand dollars. Now the government is not able to tax you on the full a hundred thousand dollars, and instead they will only be able to tax you on eighty thousand dollars. So in this situation, not only would this significantly reduce the amount of taxes you pay, you'll have more money left over, because your business covers some of your expenses that you would have to pay out of your pocket anyways. If you were an employee, this is one of the many tax rules that exist, and there are countless more. The main benefit of knowing and understanding how these rules work is that you're able to make more informed decisions. For example, now that you know this new tax rule. This might influence you to start a business rather than work at your nine-to-five job because there are so many tax benefits of starting a business. But this wouldn't even be part of your awareness if you didn't first learn the rules of the game. So you might be thinking, "Oh, if learning the rules of money is so important, why don't they teach this in school?" Well. That's a very good question, and I've thought about this as well. Growing up, I had no idea how to manage my money because my parents didn't teach me, partially because they didn't know themselves, and in school there was absolutely no financial literacy course. To learn the rules of money, I literally had to spend a hundred thousand dollars to go to a top business school to take specific personal finance courses. Not to mention the dozen of personal finance books that I've read, and thousands of dollars to hire coaches to teach me more about money. I realize that access to quality financial education is definitely not easily accessible, and I've always wondered why. After working in this industry for a while, I figured out one of the reasons why things are like this. One of the reasons why access to quality financial education just doesn't exist is because when you lose, someone else wins. When you make a mistake with your money, someone else benefits with their money. I know this sounds really horrible and really cutthroat. But this is the reality, especially in the financial services industry. Let me share a story of one of my students. One of my students was drowning in over twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt. He was lost, scared, and didn't know what to do. So he decided to go to someone who he thought he could trust. He decided to go to his local bank to ask for help in what to do. So he met up with a bank advisor, and they said, "Wow, you're in a great financial situation. You should put your money in this two percent GIC." 
A GIC stands for Guaranteed Investment Certificate. And this is a financial product where you lock in your money for a set amount of time, let's say four years, and within those four years, they'll guarantee you an annual rate of return of, let's say, 2%. Now, let's do some simple math. Your credit card interest rate is 20%, and your GIC interest rate is 2%. Pretty much the difference is 18%. That means each time you decide to put money in your 2% GIC, rather than paying off your 20% credit card debt, you're losing 18%. My student was advised to do probably the worst possible financial decision by his quote-unquote trusted bank advisors. This set my student back for years. For years, he kept on contributing to his GIC, and he always wondered why his credit card debt only got bigger. In this situation, my student was clearly losing. And if he's losing, there's someone else who's winning. And there's a few parties who benefit from the situation. The first party that benefits from the situation is the credit card companies. Credit card companies primarily make money off of the interest from people who can't pay off their credit card bills immediately. In this case, the credit card company is very happy that my student is racking up a lot of interest. The second party that benefits are the financial banks. The way that the bank makes money is that they hold people's money by offering them an account with extremely low interest rates, let's say 0% to let's say 2%. For example, your checking account has a 0% interest rate, or even if you have a high interest savings account, the interest rate is like still extremely low. It's a 0.05% interest rate still. And even in this situation where they offer an amazing guaranteed rate of return of 2%, 2% is still very low. To put it into perspective, inflation is the increase of prices every single year, and on average, inflation is around 2%. So pretty much, if you put money in a GIC, it just cancels the negative effects of inflation. It does, your money's still not growing. And if you put your money in a checking account, your money is actually decreasing in value. So while the bank offers you little to nothing of an interest rate, in the meantime, they're actually taking your money and investing it in things that yield a 10 or even 20% rate of return. And they profit the difference. So while the bank is feeding you literally crumbs, they are busy growing their food. The third party that benefits from the situation are the customer service representatives. When people go to the bank, a lot of people think that they are meeting with this professional financial advisor who will give them amazing advice and really look out for them. But in reality, if you have assets under $100,000, you'll probably just be directed to a customer service representative. Now, a customer service representative is not a financial advisor. A customer service representative is a sales role, and the way that they get paid is through commissions. 
Their entire job is set up in a way to sell you financial products like GICs and mutual funds, and they make a commission off of the sale. So they have a clear incentive to sell you products whether you actually need it. And in my student's case, it did not help him at all. Not one bit. This is the game that you're playing. So of course, these players don't want you to learn the rules of the game. Because then, they can keep winning, and you can keep losing. This is probably why for decades, financial literacy is not even a subject in school. It's only recently where high schools are slowly starting to integrate financial literacy into their curriculum. But there are still generations of people who still don't know the rules of the game. And some of them will never learn it. Okay, if you think this game is a little bit unfair, (laughs) I'm sorry, it gets just a little bit worse. (laughs) If you think about it, Who do you think makes the rules? Do you think the rules of money are made by that guy living on welfare? Or do you think the rules are made by the 1% who are extremely powerful and wealthy? I'm not a politician or lawyer, but I'll bet a lot of money that the rules aren't made up by that guy on welfare living on the street. It's obvious that the extremely wealthy people are the ones who make the rules of the game. For example, in 2018, President Trump passed a bill to help the top 1% save billions of dollars in taxes. I was doing some research about this, and even Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, was like, WTF, I should probably be paying more taxes. So the rules are often made in favor of the rich and the wealthy. Meanwhile, a lot of poor and middle class people just keep their heads down and don't even bother learning the rules. We're all playing a game made by the rich. So I'm sure you can see how important the rules of the game can be. But the thing is, the rules can get quite complicated and intricate. In university, my tax course was one of the hardest and most complex courses I have ever taken. Some of the concepts went way over my head. So it comes to a point where the rules get so complicated that it's actually really difficult to learn. But that's the reason why some professions exist. There are some professions that exist solely to help the wealthy and the powerful navigate these complex money rules so that they can get even further ahead. For example, let's take a look at financial advisors. Financial advisors are individuals who do a variety of different things, but the most common service that they provide is investment management. Typically, you would give your money to your financial advisor so that they can invest your money for you in the stock market. And before I go on, I just want to say I have nothing against financial advisors. 
I think that they are a great resource and they are often very knowledgeable. I even work with a financial advisor myself for insurance purposes, so I definitely see the benefit of having one. But an interesting thing happened. So my financial advisor asked me if I could refer anyone else to him. And I was happy to because I think my financial advisor is really awesome. And so he gave me a criteria of people he typically likes to work with. He said, the people that I typically like to work with ideally come from wealthy families or have a high net worth or are high income earners like doctors or engineers. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Financial advisors are typically paid based on a management fee. So if they're investing your money, they'll likely invest it in mutual funds and they would take a 1-2% to management fee of your total investments. So if you only have and are investing $10,000, the financial advisor will literally be making $200 off of you for the whole entire year. They'll be putting all of this work to set up all of your accounts, have quarterly meetings with you, and they'll only make $200 for the whole entire year. That's why financial advisors are naturally incentivized to help high net worth or high income earners. A lot of the top financial advisors will have a minimum threshold of asset that you need to have before actually working with them. For example, if you go to one of your traditional banks, if you have less than $100,000 in assets, you won't even be qualified to work with a financial advisor. Instead, you'll be shown to a customer service representative whose sole purpose is to sell you the bank's financial products. And we all know how that goes. So I started thinking, If all of the amazing and intelligent financial advisors are only working with people from wealthy families, have high net worths, or are high income earners, who's helping those from low and middle class families? The answer is no one. There is no financial support or education for the poor to middle class. There's no one to teach them the rules of the game. And this is why the disparity between the rich and the poor continues to get wider. This is how the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Because the rich are learning all of the rules of the game through their trusted advisors. Meanwhile, the poor and middle class people struggle to even learn the basic rules of the game and they have no one to rely on. This is part of the reason why I didn't want to become a financial advisor. I wanted to help my friends and family who didn't come from wealthy families. A lot of my childhood friends and acquaintances are people just like me. We came from poor to middle class families who struggled financially. We had to take out student loans and work part-time jobs to pay for our education to get working jobs. These are the people I want to help. These are the people who need the most help. 
That's the reason why I became a financial coach rather than an advisor. As a financial coach, I have a completely different business model. I don't make money off of managing people's money or by selling them financial products. Instead, I have a fee-for-service business model. My students pay a one-time fee to work with me. And in return, I teach them how to have mastery over their money so that they can learn how to make their own financial decisions. I help my students learn the basic rules and objectives of the game so that they can learn how to get ahead and win it. I think it's so much more empowering for people to have the knowledge and skills to make their own decisions rather than being told exactly what to do. It's like that Bible quote, Give a man a fish and he's fed for a day, but teach him how to fish and you feed him for his life. Financial education is so powerful. And so if you're from a low to middle class family, you might be feeling a bit discouraged that the odds are against you. And how is it even possible to win this game? And the answer is simple. You need to learn the rules of the game. About 80% of all millionaires are self-made millionaires. That means 80% of millionaires are people just like you, are people who come from humble beginnings, people who have struggled just like you. The common denominator between all of these successful, self-made millionaires is that number one, they work hard, and number two, they learn the rules of the game. If you're a hard worker and you're motivated to make a change, you already have half of the equation to be successful. All you need now is to learn the rules of the game. And so if you want to be one of the 80% of self-made millionaires, you gotta join the Plant Your Money program. It's a 12-week one-on-one coaching program with me where I teach you how to have mastery over your money and start living a life of financial freedom. To apply, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram at Michael Lee Kim, or you can book a free 30-minute call with me using the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the Mastery Over Money podcast and coming back to be here with me. If you found any value with this episode, make sure to subscribe, and I'd love it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps me reach and help more young professionals such as yourself. Also, share this episode with a friend who you think would find this episode valuable. That's it for today, and I'll chat with you next week.